Welcome back to New Rockstars. Spider-Man No Way Home just revealed a new scene described by Tom Holland as having a jaw-dropping mystery cameo that could be anyone from Tobey Maguire to Morris the Chicken Pig of Shang-Chi. <laughs> we are gonna deduce who it is and why it is Mephisto. I'm just kidding, or am I? Yes. I'm just kidding. This is Inside Marvel, our weekly deep dive into the biggest Marvel news. We have a lot to talk about this week. I'm Eric Voss. Here to go through it all with me is MT. How you doing, MT? I'm feeling good, man, but I'm also feeling very intrigued about a certain uh, quote by Tom Holland recently. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk all about it this week uh, with these new details we've learned from the Empire Magazine insightful feature on Spider-Man No Way Home. A little later this episode, we're also going to talk about Kevin Feige's secret battle plan in 2014 to convince Sony to deal them in on the Spider-Man character and what that tells us about No Way Home, as well as we're going to talk about whether critics are being fair or unfair mm. on Eternals. Okay, some okay. thoughts there. As someone spicy. who's able to see it it's early. Spicy topics, Eric. I'm, okay. I'm very We're going to spill some tea. We got some tea. <laughs> We're going to spill it. Uh, but before we get into all that, we want you to head on over to NewRockStarsMerch.com. Mm. Grab the latest Obsession shirt inspired by Shang-Chi, the Great Protector. Uh, it's a limited supply shirt with a dwindling number left in this universe. So grab one now mm. or live the rest of your life without some great protection. Head over to NewRockStarsMerch.com to support the channel and get yourself some great gear uh we also have this new spider-man shirt that i'm loving right now and i'm wearing in oh honor of God. our conversation on spider-man so a lot of great options a lot of great <laughs> options but mt what's our nice. what's our big question that we're gonna lead off with this week well eric we gotta talk about it okay because who is the new mystery cameo in spider-man no way home teased by mr tom holland himself because i i just need to know who is this man why is he so excited yeah Let's figure it out together. Uh, in Empire Magazine's upcoming issue all about Spider-Man No Way Home, Tom Holland revealed that he filmed one of the coolest scenes he has ever shot, his words, uh, that is going to feature Peter Parker, Aunt May, Happy Hogan, and one mystery character. I'm going to read you his quote. He says, it's okay. four people sitting at a table having a conversation about what it's like to be a superhero, and it's amazing. The other day, we watched the scene, my brother and I, and our jaws were on the floor. Seems like an uncomfortable position to watch a movie or movie scene. Just sit in a chair. You don't have to have your jaws on the floor. I'm a literalist, and that's how I read everything. Um, that's how Drax just to would give read you, too, so. Yeah, he would. And we wouldn't be able to see him. He would just be there invisible. right? He would invisible, be silently observing. Right absolutely yes. invisible. But munching on those chips... Louder. I think it's a wrestling thing. I think they teach you that in the WWE. It's just like how to be. Yeah, invisible. right. A lot of Standing people can crazy. be. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, Tom Holland's brother is Harry Holland, and he actually worked as a PA on the set of Far From Home. And oh. since playing a small role in Holland's film Cherry, uh, Harry has been rumored to play a role in No Way Home, maybe as someone who robs a store that Peter Parker foils. That hasn't been confirmed. It's just a rumor. Um, but let's just imagine this scene based off what okay. Holland has told us. We got four characters, Peter Parker, Aunt May, Happy Hogan, and someone else, someone jaw-dropping to look at later on as you're watching this scene. Uh, and they're sitting around a table and they're talking about what it's like to be a superhero. So that could mean a lot of things, right? It could mean this mystery character is themselves a superhero and is mentoring Peter Parker on how to balance his personal life with being a superhero. Mm. Uh, it also could be at a several different points in the movie, 
Um, you could imagine this maybe being earlier in the movie when Peter's still kind of dealing with the fallout of his being exposed by Mysterio and uh, Aunt May and Happy Hogan. They're all just still kind of figure out the next steps for Peter from a legal standpoint. Um, but your mind first goes to candidate one, Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, Absolutely. and candidate two, Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker both of whom went through that whole process in their own universes, you know, balancing their personal life, trying to maintain that secret. But I would argue to a lesser degree than the Tom Holland Peter Parker has gone through in his movies. Homecoming, Far From Home, and then even to a smaller extent, Infinity War and Endgame, the moment on the school bus, and then when Peter Parker comes back to his school and Endgame. Like, they've been really focused on keeping Peter Parker in the era of being a... a teenager in right. his high school balancing that whole side of his life um so it kind of seems to me that he would have more to explain to toby mcguire peter parker and andrew garfield peter parker how to balance the life of, of a superhero <laughs> than they would be able to tell him but what do you think mt oh man i really do think that this is 100 percent toby mcguire peter parker i mean for me anyway because like okay let's okay, do i'm 100% confident because like Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker had such a huge role in superhero movies in general. And, like, that Spider-Man 1 changed the game. And so I think that Tom uh -huh. Holland was probably just watching the scene of him sitting next to Tobey Maguire and just, like, oh, man, like, I am the new person in the suit. I inherited the mantle. So I feel like he was just, like, really freaked out. Just, like, really just happy and grateful for the moment, which I would be, too, because, yeah. like, that's nuts. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that Tobey Maguire would have a lot to teach this younger Peter Parker who is sure. still in his high school years because, you know, we left, we last left Tobey Maguire as like, you know, this older guy. He was an older man in Spider-Man 3 and like he was just like sort of doing his whole college thing. So like he has, at this point, who knows how long he's lived and like what kind of things he's gone through. So he probably has so much to teach this Tom Holland, Peter Parker. So he, I think he does. He, he does, and especially if you look at what he went through in Spider-Man 2 in 2004 when he uh, gave up being uh, Spider-Man, oh, um, and in Spider-Man 3, how he's uh, dealing with his relationship with Mary Jane and balancing his own selfishness with his own career. There's, there is a lot to learn there. I want to go to another suspect, though, maybe Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock, Venom, because oh. it looks like he may be coming into this film, coming out of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, that whole post credit scene, um, and a lot of the moments in Venom, Let There Be Carnage were Venom and Eddie were debating how much of a lethal protector to be, uh, which seems to thematically at least fit in directly with what Peter's going through in No Way Home of being this kind of vigilante, but being a protector of the city, but one who is viewed at as being a lethal one. Um, and uh, we just, it seems like one that. Uh, Tom Holland might know about, but want to keep under wraps for now. But there's another reason why I think um, Venom could be the candidate here. But I want to also remind us that Happy and Aunt May are there, right? So why did they need to be in this scene? And you could maybe look at it from the perspective of maybe this cameo is going to be someone who is questioning Peter about his actions as a superhero, either uh, like from a legal standpoint. So that brings in the option of Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. Hey, hey, hey. That's who could be Peter's option. attorney. Sitting around a table, right? Like, you kind of imagine an interrogation room or some kind of legal boardroom or something like that. Um, 
But I also want to throw at you uh, Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters' She-Hulk, who oh, we're going to learn a lot more about in uh, mid-November at this Disney Plus day. Uh, and I think like we may finally get some little teases to her in her upcoming Disney Plus series early 2022. Mm. Uh, a, a, maybe she as a prosecuting attorney is interrogating mm, Peter Parker. I do like that because like Jennifer yeah. Walters is coming and like it would make sense to introduce her now in this scenario where Peter Parker is in really hot water. So yeah, right. I, oh my God, that'd be so great if it was Jennifer Walters. But I really do, yeah. just going back to the Venom thing, I would love if it was just like, just Venom, like Venom the symbiote it, having the conversation. Yeah. Not Eddie. I just I just don't want Eddie in this conversation. Just Venom to be like, oh yeah, this is great being a lethal protector. It's like, I just eat people <laughs> all the time. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I think that that could more likely be the case. Um, let's also talk about J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, who we already know is oh. going to be in this movie as the host of the Daily Bugle. Oh but God, imagine this was... table. Like, if you're going to watch, like, what's an exciting version of a table conversation? What about mm. one that is on the set of his new show, like an interview table, mm. as he is being grilled by J. Jonah Jameson? <laughs> Happy Hogan, uh, Aunt May are there as support to Peter Parker. He's like, well, you have, like, you know, someone who represents the the Stark uh, Corporation, someone who is kind of his paternal mm. guardian, uh, and they're there to show support. And then J. Jonah Jameson is just chewing him out for ratings, oh you my. know? That makes so much sense, considering that Peter Parker is a minor. So, like, that makes right. so much sense rationally, because his mom, I mean, his mom, right. his Aunt May would be there, and Happy would definitely be there. So, yeah, J. Jonah Jameson makes a lot of sense because people are excited about that. He's also a very classic character. He's a timeless character in the, the whole Raimi Spider-Man right. mythos. So, yeah. I didn't and picture I didn't Jaw on the floor, Peter like Parker James watching James. this back. Yeah, I'm going through all the options right now. So I'm, I'm going to give you my percentage <laughs> ratings of who I think uh, is a most okay. likely to least likely. But I want to give another suspect here, Uncle Ben Parker. Someone we have not yet seen in the MCU. Someone okay. they teased in each of the the homecoming and then in the Far From Home. Um, and the the jaw dropping aspect of it is whoever they cast to play this role. It could be anybody, you know. It's like true. there's lots of fun actors out there. It'd be exciting to see. Um, and or maybe just someone who's brought back to life through whatever multiversal means. Uh, and they're here now to advise and counsel Peter, you know, drop that great line with great power comes great responsibility. I hope it's Steve Carell. Uh, I really want a Steve Carell. Uncle Ben, let's get it, Marvel. I think that would be, be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Be so much fun. Uh, now, just to remind everyone, <laughs> in the Raimi films, Cliff Robertson played Uncle Ben. He has passed away. He died in 2011. Uh, in the Mark Webb films, the great Martin Sheen, President Bartlett, played Uncle Ben. Mm. Um, now... Aunt May is Marissa Tomei in the MCU. She's a bit younger, you know, hot aunt. Uh, that <laughs> could mean that the Uncle Ben of the MCU could be a bit younger as well. And now Marissa Tomei is 56 years old currently. She was, what, around 48 uh, when she played uh, Aunt May in Captain America Civil War when they shot that movie, not when it came out. Um, so this Uncle Ben would have died even before that. So he could conceivably be someone in his 40s. Given, like, what we know about what Tony's Stark's visit to Peter Parker during Civil War, I think that Uncle Ben probably died somewhat very 
like very shortly before Civil War because that's when Peter yeah. Parker started becoming Spider-Man. So yeah, I think that yeah, Peter that Parker. I think it's Civil War said that he got the bite six months before that. So it was around oh, like the Christmas Super, before Civil yeah. War. So he would have yes, yeah, sometime between that, uh, maybe a couple months before the events of Civil War is when Uncle Ben would have died. Let's go back to what Tom Holland said about this scene. This is a scene that he would have right. already shot. So he's describing watching back that scene at a later point with his brother, maybe during a, a screening or when they watch the dailies of it. Like they're watching after some work has been done on it. And then that experience of watching it is what he described as jaw dropping. So that would mean that what makes this scene so insane is how it all comes together in post-production with like editing, with visual effects. So the question is really, what new surprises would shock Tom Holland beyond what he already experienced shooting that scene, himself sitting across the table from someone he already first acted out the scene with on the set? So that would suggest that this mystery character might have some kind of fantastical quality to them that can only be brought to life in post-production and viewed later. So uh, we have suggested Doctor Strange in this movie might be being manipulated by some external threat. Probably not Mephisto. I don't think that's the case. Don't make fun of me for that. Or make fun of me for it. I don't care. I just want you to imagine briefly Scarlet Witch in all of her glory, right? Ooh. Her mysticism swirling yeah, all right, around everything. Her. All right, got you. And the table is like a seance table, like something in her... <laughs> Ouija board? We got a Ouija board. Yeah, We're right? Uncle yeah, ben. baby. <laughs> Hell. Uncle Ben, I... Yes! <laughs> I'm at Spider-Man 3 now, Uncle Ben. I wish you could see. <laughs> Can you hear us, Uncle Ben? Yes or no? Your wife um, is still as hot as ever, Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> They Sorry, do no. like a Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost scene where, where Marissa Tomei and Elizabeth Olsen just make out and Peter's like, ah, this is oh really awkward. God. I was thinking like Happy and Marissa Tomei and like Uncle Ben just like, no. Oh, this just oh, got really uncomfortable. Um, now to, uh, on, on that vein, other sorcerers like Agatha Harkness or Loki. You know, we've heard some rumors that Loki could show up in, in Multiverse of Madness. Agatha Harkness, I hope, shows up in Multiverse of Madness. Oh, yeah. um, and then if you talk about characters who would be enhanced via VFX, She-Hulk does come back as an option, right, in that regard. But I think based on all this, if they are sitting around a table talking about being a superhero with some kind of jaw-dropping VFX added later after the principal shoot, a character that has not yet been confirmed to be in the movie, but Tom Holland might know about and not want to reveal, I think going through the the options, you said 100% at the first being uh, first <laughs> I think I'm at like maybe like 15% likelihood that it's Peter Parker, 15% likelihood, or uh, Toby, 50% that it's Andrew Garfield, um, maybe uh, uh, 20% that it is like some other um, mystical character like Scarlet mm. Witch or Echo the Harkness or Loki, uh, 20% that it is an attorney character uh, like um, Charlie Cox, uh, Matt Murdock, or, or Jennifer Walters, and whatever yeah. percent is left over let's see 20 20 one plus two plus one plus one uh, uh 30 30 30 so about 30 percent likely i think it's tom hardy as eddie brock venom and i think it's either going to be fully venom or that weird kind of like backpack version of venom that he had and let there be carnage <laughs> you know what after this conversation i am no longer 100 all right i'm gonna say 70 okay. <laughs> percent 
Toby. I'm gonna say 70% Toby, 10% um to JJ, 10% to Venom, and then 10% to what was the other one that we said? Shit. JJ Venom and um uh, Uncle like, Ben. Yes, or or like a Uncle Ben type scenario. Um yeah. I would love if it was I- um if it was just like somehow a Robert Downey Jr. Spider-Man variant. That would be amazing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We're going that rogue, rogue like, options oh here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, my rogue option always has to be Mephisto, right? It's oh just my God, like yes. dirty ass <laughs> Mudman Mephisto, a little girl from One More Day, just a little yes. girl being like, I can help you, Peter Parker. Tell me what it's like being a superhero. <laughs> She's jump roping. One, two, Mephisto. It's just like the shining. Oh my God, please. I hope it's a little girl now. I just, yeah. I forgot to include in my percentages everything I just said about, um, about J. Jonah Jameson or, uh, or, or Uncle Ben. Uh, just uh, take their percentages away from my uh, Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield. I think that it's likely that they're going to be in this movie. I just think, I don't think that meeting scene is going to be around a table. Mm. I think mm. that's going to be reserved for someone else. A bigger table. <laughs> Yes, a uh, bigger table. It's not going to be a table. It's going to be like a, less oppressive. They're all going to sit around in a, a circle of chairs mm. and just kind of like share. And they're going to share. Like, oh, you know, Tom, uh, Peter, Tom, Peter, you haven't shared today. I don't want to share today. <laughs> and Andrew Garfield's like, good, I want to talk more today. I would love it. if they all had name tags and they all had Peter Parker on them. <laughs> yeah. It serves no purpose at all. Serves no purpose. All right. Well, we're going to discuss whether Eternals deserves its mixed Rotten Tomatoes score and Kevin Feige's secret battle plan against Sony. Uh, But first, we want to thank some people who helped us make this episode. There's one kind of cameo that none of us want in a movie in our lives. A cameo from a big old credit card balance. Well, Upstart can help lift that burden and help you avoid that pesky intruder. Upstart is a fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. That means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com marvel. That's upstart.com marvel. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash marvel. And our friends at Audible would like to remind you to listen to The Sandman, Act 2 on Audible. The next part to the number one New York Times bestseller, The Sandman, is available for your listening pleasure right now. Enter the dreaming again and journey into a world of myths, imagination, and terror based on the DC graphic novels written by the great Neil Gaiman. The epic voice cast is led by James McAvoy as Morpheus, Lord of Dreams, and includes Brian Cox, Kat Demings, John Lithgow, Jeff right and so many more the blockbuster audio adaptation of the greatest epic in the history of comic books continues and expands into the french revolution ancient rome 19th century san francisco 8th century baghdad and beyond it's never only a dream go to audible.com slash dreaming and listen now and we all sometimes lose sleep binging a show but you shouldn't lose any sleep because of a bad mattress well helix sleep has a 
quiz that matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. I have a Helix mattress and I love it. The quiz matched me with a medium firm mattress with lumbar support that sleeps cool. The mattress ships right to your door for free. No need to go to a mattress store. Just go to helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to the customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel. And Halloween is right around the corner. That means it's time to watch some scary movies, and there's no better place to do that than on Shudder, the Netflix of horror. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. Stream on Apple and Android, Xbox, or however you watch your content. It's ad-free, and they have an excellent mix of classics, new stuff, and some unexpected surprises, all presented in an uncluttered interface. Around the office, we all have our favorites on the platform, including Train to Busan, Mandy, The Wailing, and the classic Poltergeist, which we actually watched last year on a New Rockstars retreat in October. Oh, it was a wonderful experience. So, they have a great collection of exclusive and original programming. Our editor, Drew, is a huge fan of the Joe Bob Briggs Last Drive-In series. I gotta check that one out. Uh, so, get started streaming on the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like This Is Fun, The Mortuary Collection, and PG Psycho Gorman, plus all the great horror documentaries and hit creep show TV series from the executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. So, try Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com, use the promo code ROGUE, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com, and promo code ROGUE. All right, MT, back to the big Marvel news this week. What's next? Well, we gotta talk about this, because what was Kevin Feige's secret plan to convince Sony to share Spider-Man with Marvel? Like, what was that all about? A new book called The Story of Marvel Studios, The Making of the Marvel Cinematic Universe by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry reveals how in spring 2014, Kevin Feige actually assembled a secret retreat among Marvel Studios' top execs to put together a battle plan ahead of a meeting with Sony for Spider-Man stories now in the MCU. So Sony's Amazing Spider-Man 2, starring Andrew Garfield, came out in May 2014. It underperformed a bit, and then shortly after, Sony head Amy Pascal invited Kevin Feige to a lunch meeting to discuss some story ideas for a third film. Now, I've talked about this a little bit on the channel before, it would have been kind of crazy. There was some talk about um, uh, using Norman Osborn's cloning and regeneration technology that would have tried to like either clone or regenerate Gwen Stacy for the movie. Uh, like there was a part where Norman Osborn <laughs> dies in that movie and they scan his bed and there's like a cooler on, uh, on a cart. Uh, and yeah, they were going to try to like regenerate him and keep his head in a cryogenic chamber. There was going to be some crazy <laughs> shit in that movie. In addition to some Sinister Six okay. stuff. Um, but yeah, it was going to be wild. And you can imagine Kevin Feige. I mean, I think there was a, a Sony leak and he had some notes on Spider-Man 2. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can go look up all of that on your own. But according to this book, they gave us some new information that apparently a few days ahead of their lunch... 
Kevin Feige scrambled together an impromptu mini creative retreat with their core creative producers. If there were even the slightest chance Peter Parker could be part of the MCU, Feige wanted to have the bones of a battle plan already figured out. With no time to spare, Feige announced an all-hands-on-deck situation Every executive producer at Marvel Studios had to be part of a secret two-day-long off-site retreat held in a rented hotel space in Santa Monica. No one else at Marvel Studios was told about what they were doing, just that it was, quote, a get-together. In that closed room, (laughs) two questions were posed. If there were an opportunity to broker some kind of deal with Sony, how would it work? And if they leveraged something like a five-picture deal, what stories would they want to tell? One thing they all quickly agreed on was that they didn't want to take Peter Parker out of high school. The idea of Peter experiencing the day-to-day events of school life, like school trips, homework, a homecoming dance, was such an exciting, and for Marvel Studios, totally different playground for ideas and storytelling. And if they ended up being a multi-picture deal available, they loved the notion of exploring the growing pains of an adolescent Spider-Man over numerous interconnected stories. We also learned separately that apparently Amy Pascal started crying during this meeting and told Kevin Feige to get the hell out of her office at first. But then obviously (laughs) it it led to uh, a pretty um, uh, mutually beneficial uh, connected universe of stories between Sony and Marvel, both of whom have really benefited from this collaboration. Um, So... Uh, when I read this quote, MT, I can't help but wonder how this whole creative strategy for this version of the Peter Parker character might continue in Spider-Man No Way Home, this next movie. What do you think? Hmm. So you mean like specifically in the whole like uh, we're talking about Peter as a like a student, as a young child, like that narrative? Is that what you mean? Yes. Trying to balance, uh, trying to balance being okay. a student going through his adolescence. Oh yeah, I think that this will manifest the most, and we see this in the trailer, with uh, Peter Parker's relationship with MJ. Because like this is the first relationship he's had on screen, uh, possibly in his whole life, we don't know. I mean, he's pretty handsome, so maybe not, hopefully not. Um, but, you know, I think that he's going to find out, and like this is a big thing throughout, you know, the Raimi trilogies and the Web trilogy, and just a Spider-Man staple in general, how hard it is to be Spider-Man and have a girlfriend. It's literally impossible. And it, in particular, of how hard it is to keep your, your, your loved ones safe, because all these people are gunning after Peter Parker, people from the multiverse, people from his own universe. Like we still have Scorpion in prison who uh, is gunning out for uh, Peter Parker. Um, so yeah, like it's just, it's, I think it's that part of being a kid that we're going to see. And like the whole no way home aspect could have like a double meaning. Cause obviously it's no way home, like no way home to my home in my native dimension. But I think it's probably going to be like, Oh, there's no way home to, like the home of my heart, like the uh, MJ. Mm. Like there's no way to to get to get to MJ because of all the stress, all this interdimensional stress and murder that people try to to bring to my life. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think. Well, what do you think? Um, I think if you're looking at like charting out these three movies ahead of time, you talk about these big experiences that you go through as a high school student. Uh, your homecoming dance, uh, school trips, academic mm. decathlons uh, to other cities, to Washington D.C. Um, you talk about. Uh, going on school trips like in Spider-Man Homecoming. You, you're able to maybe do a trip abroad uh, sometimes, mm. and it has to be this, like, educational field trip, uh, and you're pulled away from the field trip, and you're trying to, like, you know, hook up on it. 
Um, uh, but I think a big part, uh, <laughs> as you're leaving high school, your whole life becomes centered around trying to get into the college you want. Like, I remember being a, a junior and senior in high school mm. and, like, going to visit college campuses and feeling like my whole life rests on whether or not I can get into the right school uh, that has the right <laughs> major. I, I felt weirdly pressured to pick a major so when I was still That's a true. senior in high school and being like, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my mm. life. But feeling like it was make or break. Like, if I don't get into the right school, my whole life is going to be over. And looking back on it, how how silly that is. Like, I didn't get into my number one. One school. So I had my reach school. I had a couple safety schools. But just having to have that whole strategy, like I think that's gonna be a big part of this movie. Like Peter uh, mm. is not gonna be able to get into the college he wants. Um, like you know, P- uh, Tony Stark went to MIT and had that whole um, uh, program that he gave them that whole scholarship program. Uh, and like Riri Williams right. is an MIT student. I think a lot of this is going to be centered around MIT uh, or like Empire State or something like that. And and Peter's going to struggle to get into this school uh, because he's like, you know, a criminal. They're going to look at his, like, you have a stellar <laughs> academic record, but you also murdered Mysterio and might be a terrorist. I don't think we can let you in. Uh, so I think that's going to be a big part of the drama that, like, they were talking about, like, things that kids go through. I think that's that mm. might tell us some of the stakes of this story, that he's going to be worried about whether he can get into college. Oh, yeah. I don't think those SAT scores are going to do anything for him after he murdered no. a guy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't. Of course, we know he did it. It's just what they I mean, they do think. we? I mean, he did say execute I them mean, all. So I think, I mean, we did. saw it on the internet, so it must be true. It's fine. Kill them all! <laughs> Kill them all! what's our the next question we want to talk about mt well eric are the early reviews for eternals accurately reflecting the film because this is you know this rotten tomatoes is always rotten tomato drama so like what what do you think you saw the movie i haven't seen it i did see the movie and uh this week we saw the rotten tomato score for eternals come out the opening Mm. score that will change over time but so far the first round of critics reviews puts it at an average of 72 percent fresh which is how they do it well the critics consensus reads they always write up a little summary uh and it says an ambitious superhero epic that soars more often than it strains eternals takes the mcu in intriguing and and occasionally confounding new directions. Mm. Um, now, again, that score probably will not hold at 72%, but so far that would make Eternals tied for the third lowest MCU film rated by Rotten Tomatoes, with Thor The Dark World at 66%, the 2008 Incredible Hulk film at 67%, and then Iron Man 2 would also be at 72%. I think that tells us more about how these uh, tomato meter scores... Uh, pretty weighted in favor of the MCU overall. The fact that most of them are above that is like, whoa, um, that's pretty generous. Um, Now, just for reference, the site lists Black Panther as the best rated on their site of the MCU. It's at 96%, followed by Endgame and uh, the first Iron Man, both at 94%, and then Thor Ragnarok at 93%. And then for the other 2021 releases, Black Widow is currently listed at 79%, and Shang-Chi is listed at 92%. So Shang-Chi, I think, is like number seven. Um, Now, the question being, is this a fair assessment for Eternals? No. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking of, because like what you just read, though, no offense to Black Widow. Black Widow is a fine film. But for Eternals to be lower than Black Widow 
is kind of uh, flabbergasts me. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, that now, right there I, is just BS. I have seen, I have seen Eternals, and of course I've seen Black Widow, I've seen Shang-Chi. Eternals is definitely a better movie than Black Widow. Yeah, um, I would, I would assume nothing so. against I, Black <laughs> Widow, but it is a better movie than Black Widow. Uh, yeah. Now I can see the debate once everyone sees this movie. I'm very curious to see what the audience score of this movie is and and what mm. social media reactions are. Um, I think the debate is going to be: Is this better than Shang Chi? I could see mm. arguments for and against that. I think the action of Shang Chi is is better than the action of Eternals. Uh, mm, but I think the the general world building and the concepts and the, the kind of base story of mm. Eternals is really cool and pretty know, novel and pretty groundbreaking. Cool. And I think I think a lot of people are going to be won over by that. And those are going to be the people getting in fights on Twitter with people over whether <laughs> Shang-Chi's better. Because I think Shang-Chi's, I really enjoyed it. I just think Ooh, it's, it's pretty by the... By the ropes in terms of, like, uh, the story of, of just kind of an origin story of a hero. Uh, mm. And I perfectly enjoy that. I don't have any problems with that. I just think oh, yeah. Wen Wu is a more compelling character in the Shang-Chi film than Shang-Chi is. Um, and Eternals, like, ultimately, you really do relate with the struggle that the Eternals are going through. The argument they're having amongst themselves. Uh, watching them have to observe humanity destroy itself so many times. Like, that is super heartbreaking and fascinating as a story. Um, so I think this is just yet another example of how um, the way Rotten Tomatoes rates things and then boils every review into a binary up or down vote and uses yeah. that is just not the best assessment. And we get into this argument every time. Also, I gotta say, I'm not gonna name names, but some of the people they include as as critics, tomato meter critics, is insane to me that we <laughs> that these people get a vote. Like this dumbass who we all have to like look at on Twitter and they just make shit up and they are clearly not journalists at all. Um, not all of them. Most of them are good folks. Uh, I, looking through the names, I, I'm not going to call anyone out. I don't want to start any beef. I think I saw uh, J. Jonah Jameson on there. Uh, really <laughs> Honestly, the yeah. <laughs> like the the equivalent in our world of the MCU J. Jonah Jameson Infowars dumbasses are included in some cases. So, yep, I'm not going to name names again. But that's why when I see this number, I'm always just like, whatever. Um, anyway. Uh, I don't think it's a fair assessment. I don't think this is going to be uh, in the top 10 for most people of, of MCU movies. Mm. Uh, but I don't think it deserves to be in the bottom three at all. And I do think it was better than Black Widow. See, when you when you read that quote and, the, and it said uh, occasionally confounding, I was just like, okay. Yeah. So these are people that are probably not as invested into the MCU as we are. Because, like, Eternals was always going to introduce these, like, really, like, crazy out there cosmic stuff like these cosmic elements that you know i think by design you know human beings weren't really meant to understand because like the celestial they're supposed to be these enigmatic yeah. you know cosmic people so like i don't know what they mean by occasionally confounding me you definitely have a better idea than i do but like I'm i assuming... have an idea of what they mean by it but like i mean look there's a couple ways you could see occasionally confounding and i'm not gonna spoil anything mm. but like that either refers to people who, like, have never read a comic book in their lives or people who have never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey in their lives. And if <laughs> either of those apply to you, I don't care what your opinion is about a Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe movie. 
You should that not be uh, paid to write about film if you have never read a, uh, or you should not be paid or invited to an early screening for Eternals if you've never read a comic book in your life or if you have not seen Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's like, if you haven't done either of those things, if you want to tweet about this movie, have an opinion on it, go see it, totally fine. But you should not be one of these tomato meter critics. All right, all right. Dude, I... I I'm so looking forward to the two Eternals because, like, it's so divisive. Like, I'm seeing all these reviews. I'm just like, I really want to see this for myself so I can, like, just form an opinion for myself. Because it looks beautiful. Yes. The soundtrack looks amazing. I think Chloe Zhao probably did a fantastic job. So I'm excited. Um, yes. I don't know what these people are talking about. Confounding my ass. My yes. ass. Okay. Totally <laughs> fine for opinions to be mixed on this movie. I totally expect that. But it is not in the bottom three of the MCU by a long shot. That's, oh, yeah. I think uh, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the, I don't know where in the middle, just somewhere in the middle. I think. I, I uh, definitely worth watching. I loved watching it. Oh, it looks great. I'm very much looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, we will leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. Now, next week, our episode of Inside Marvel will not be on Wednesday. We're going to move it to the weekend so that it can be an after show and reaction to give you our no spoiler thoughts or actually spoiler thoughts. We're not going to worry about spoilers because the movie's out there. Yes. Uh, we'll have a spoiler warning at the beginning, but we're going to go deeper into some of the specific stuff that I, I don't want to talk deep. about yet. Um, but yeah, you'll be able to see our fair assessments, uh, and we'll all kind of decide where this movie belongs in the ranking for the MCU. <laughs> um, now don't forget to check out our many great merch options at NewRockStarsMerch.com. Follow me at EA Voss, follow MT at Mastertainment, follow New Rockstars, subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for watching, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Bye.